to Backboard Banter on the board. With your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as Trey Darden, my friend. That guy is king of New York. Man, I love how he can just walk in there, you know, casually drop 47, you know, put his arms up, like, are you not entertained? Like, the king of the garden, no less. He is just an absolute show in there. He feeds off the crowd's negative energy. Um, I guess, you know, kind of a tribute to his whole career. He's been too small, too undersized to to make it to this level, and he's proven everybody wrong the whole way. So, yeah, man, the guy did it. We hope that the Hawks can keep flying and make their way into the playoffs because Trey Young is a bona fide stud, and we want to see more moments like this. But he's just another one of these young kids that can seemingly do anything on the offensive end poor Matt over here looking at the easy game last week thinking Detroit has nothing it'll be fine and then Sadiq Bay of all guys drops a 50 bomb on his head oh dude wild man I did not know Sadiq Bay had that kind of offensive game in him um I was saying you know Cade Cunningham's probably gonna keep Detroit close but Orlando will probably win nah man Sadiq Bay coming out hard for Detroit 52 points Man, I thought this guy was a defensive specialist. Whatever, blow up my take, man. At least your your Grizzlies take looking real strong right now, man. They don't stop winning. I mean, this team is young. It's hungry. They're on fire. Yes, Jaw's going to be out for two weeks. We'll talk about his injury later. But I, honestly, man, I just don't see them being stopped. You know, the Suns have secured first place. And the Grizzlies are just chugging along, waiting to secure second. What's kind of crazy to me, man, is that this guy Desmond Bain, I know we brought him up multiple times throughout the year, but his ascension this year has been phenomenal. I think he had another 30-point game last night. He's just been absolutely phenomenal for this franchise. He's literally the co-star that they needed for John Morant. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just the big that does it all. They've got a big three, man. They're young. They're They're hungry. They're going to be a team to, to watch out for for the next 10, 15 years for sure. And I can't not mention the Grizzlies without bringing up Stephen Adams. Somehow that trade is still such a win-win because he does everything they need while not needing to put up points in the same way that JV does. The Grizzlies are an awesome franchise. They're a great example of how to do it right, how to rebuild. And for me, as a huge Jaw fan, I love to see this succeed. Absolutely, man. And you know what? Speaking of franchises that know how to do it right, um, those Chiefs made a huge splash in today's market. Um, the NFL was kind of wild this week with the Devontae Adams trade, but I think the Tyreek Hill news is the biggest news of the week. The guy went for five draft picks. That is some major capital when you think about Randy Moss getting traded from the Raiders to the Patriots back in like 06 for a fourth round pick. <laughs> they got a first, a second, two fourths, and a, a sixth. Are you kidding me? And like me and Matt were talking about this, about like kind of the, the craziness of this decision, what it's going to mean for Hill, but like the Chiefs, man, the Chiefs are in such a weird place. Like obviously Mahomes is still the guy, the potential GOAT, the next QB. Can they bring somebody in? Is it going to be fine? Is Hill like, I got to get out of here because maybe we're not going to win? Even though Matt and I know that, like, how can they not win with a guy like that? Dude, I mean, they've got Patrick Mahomes. They've got Andy Reid. They just signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who was absolutely wide open on that final play of Green Bay's drive who Aaron Rodgers missed. Um, so, you know, he can get open. I think oh, yeah. they're actually going to be... A, a great team this year. I don't think they miss a beat without Tyree Kill. They've yeah. got some other speedsters on their roster. Uh, Michael Robinson. They've got, they still got Travis Kelsey. I mean, they'll be fine, man. When you got Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, I mean, you could, you could lose a player or two. And they're kind of following the Bilicek model. You know, the Patriots, you don't pay players, you get new ones. You get younger, you get cost control, and you get new ones. They could go in the draft. They don't really have needs besides the defense. They could just draft wide receivers. True. So I guess the question then turns into, can Tyreek do it? Can he and Tua work together on this Dolphins squad? I mean, at least he's not on the net on the uh, New York Jets, right? Because that was Jets. another laughing situation that he was thinking about. Man, I, he definitely didn't want to go to the Jets. He's a South, Southern Georgia guy. He works out in Miami. He lives in Southern Florida. Uh, he has a house there. So it's kind of like where he wanted to be. 
I think that from a football standpoint, it wasn't the best move. Obviously, he got a massive bag, four-year, $120 million contract. is ridiculous for a wide receiver. <sighs> the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Um, but again, like, who knows? Because he's going from the best, one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL to Tua, who can... I like Tua, but man, that left arm doesn't get the ball that deep. So who knows if they're going to be able to utilize Tyreek at the same rate. I just think uh, it was a poor football decision. Definitely a great financial decision. Man, I, I feel bad for Tua, man. We used to be so high on Tua. We wanted so much more for Tua. And hey, man, maybe Tyreek can be you know, the answer for him. Maybe they can create this new tandem, but definitely moving from a good situation to maybe not so good of a situation. Well, at the end of the day, man, this is a make-or-break year for Tua. They got Jalen Waddle. They got now Ty- Tyreek Hill. They've got Raheem Mostert. They've got a plethora of other running backs who are quick. They've got the fastest offense for, and from a running back and a wide receiver standpoint. If they have one of the best offenses in the NFL in terms of weapons, and they can't get it done, they can't score you know 25-plus points a game for the season, that's going to come back to Tua. And they're going to be looking for a new quarterback by the end of the season. You mark my words. And I mean, considering the offseason that we've just had with the quarterback movement that we've seen, someone will probably be available for them. Man, the quarterback movement has been absolutely insane. We get into it. I mean, I think Matt Ryan to Indianapolis Colts is actually going to be an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Phillip Rivers went 11-5 and with that roster two years ago, and he is nowhere even close to what Matt Ryan is today. Um, I think they're going to be fine. It's been wild, man. Even that Devontae Adams to the Raiders thing. Like, the Raiders have now a lot of pressure. That AFC West division is just absolutely stacked, man. It's going to be a bloodbath out there. It's going to be fun to get back into football when it rolls back around. Some of these teams, you know, a fresh start will be good for them. You know, there's been collapses this season. There's been collapses a few seasons ago that people haven't recovered from. So it's always nice to have that fresh start at the beginning of the year. Yeah, man, absolutely nice. But we'll go into hockey, man, a a sport that's kind of ending right now. There's about 20 games left. The playoffs are really shaking out. The only real race is coming down in the Western Conference. You know, they're a little bit more tight. The Eastern Conference is is basically locked in at this point. It's just about where you end up in the seating. Um, That guy, McDavid, man, he's already at 95 points. He'll probably break break 120 this season. Um, And Austin Matthews, he's got to get 15 goals in about his last 20 games. I think he can do it, man. I think that's definitely plausible for him. 60-goal season would be his first and the first one in a, in a while, I think, since Steven Stamkos back in, like, 13 or, or 14, which is it's pretty one, nuts. I, I watched one of those games. I saw it happen. I was there for that. I'll, exactly, I'll that man. But, you, man. You and your Tampa I mean, Bay. <laughs> I, gotta, I, gotta, I mean, hey, look what Marty has done for your team, okay? I had a reason to care about that Tampa Bay squad, but it's going to be an interesting end of the season, right? There's a couple teams fighting, you know, it'll be a fun playoff race eventually, but can Toronto do it? Can any of these teams do it? Like, is there a true champion right now, Matt, for you? Uh, Honestly, man, after the trade deadline that happened on Monday, uh, things kind of really hit the fan. Like, I think Florida with Giroux and Ben Sherratt added were huge for them. Colorado got Arturi Lekkanen, who... I don't know, man. I honestly think Arturi's kind of the player who's going to push them over the edge. Um, When he was 19 years old, he broke the Swedish Elite League record for playoff points. That was set by Daniel Alfredson, who had come back during a lockout season. So he was already an NHL superstar at the time when he did that. Arturi Lekkanen scored the game-winning goal against Vegas that put Montreal in the Stanley Cup final. He is a playoff proven performer and honestly, man, I think he has actually a legitimate shot at the con smite. Like, it's, I know it's crazy because he's an auxiliary player, but I think he's that type of guy that's going to push them over and going to be so valuable to their middle six of, of that roster. I mean, it will be exciting to see, right? And I mean, I'm I'm not as big in, into hockey as Matt is, obviously, so I'm not, like, super pumped. But when the playoffs come around, this guy tunes in. This guy gets invested. I love the heartbreaks. I love the storylines. I love to see who can do it. And watching Ovi and his crazy season, like, th- there's been some good stuff going on in hockey. Man's third all-time in goals, man. It's absolutely been nuts. And 
I feel really bad for Toronto fans right now because after the season that they've had, they're in second place in the Atlantic, and their their opponent in the first round, none other than the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll see if they can get past them. Um, I think it's going to be a tall task. But hey, man, Tampa Bay is not the team that they used to be. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I can't not root against Tampa Bay. It's, like, ingrained in me, obviously. But, you know, it's the same reason why I'm, I'm a Montreal fan over a Toronto fan. You know, I, I want to see that winning, successful franchise at the end of the day. But what else do you got for me, man? Anything else, or shall we move along? Hey, man, I think we can move on to that Canada game last night. I can't believe we lost to Costa Rica. <sighs> Sadness, right? Just pure sadness at the end of the day we got to wait now until sunday but hey at least we have a chance against jamaica at home and i mean i'm pretty sure it was also the fact that uh, mexico and usa they had tie games you know all we need is some losses from some of these teams but we have a chance to shape our own destiny against jamaica at home 2 30 p.m my time on sunday matt you better tune in oh buddy uh, I'm going to be tuning in with my grandfather, you know, it's his 92nd birthday this week and we'll be there. He's a huge soccer guy. He loves Canada too, so I'm sure he'll be excited. Um, we only need a point, right? Like, it's oh. we got to get one point. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, we, we were talking about, you know, looking ahead, looking at the future, being excited for this team, but really it's like a renaissance of soccer, right? Like, we got to watch the women's squad finally break through and get that gold medal. Christine Sinclair finally getting from bronze to gold. And now we're getting to see this other side of the coin, the men's team, bringing it back, being relevant. And honestly, when they put it together, as has been shown, sometimes they're unbeatable. It's been pretty crazy that this is their first loss so far in the table. Dude, John Herdman, the man, the myth, the legend, like wild what he's been able to do with Canadian soccer um gotta love it man maybe italy should go out and try and hire him because can't believe they're gonna miss the world cup st Clair west is not gonna know what to do with themselves they're gonna be like are, are, are we cheering for italy no they're, they're not in it i guess we're we're, can, we're canada now <laughs> oh man it's actually insane that you know we were watching italy just a little while ago look like they may be set up for a potential dynasty after the flop of not making, not returning to the world stage after winning one. And now they're going to be, what, 20 years that they're going to have to wait? Like, there's so much time, but yet there's all this great talent on this squad, so they should be good. That's why it's such a failing for them to just, like, not play a game because you're expecting to win and to be heartbroken against North Macedonia in the 92nd minute. And, Matt, I don't know if you've seen the goal. But it's embarrassing. Off off a goal kick, literally putting it up the field. The defenders aren't paying attention. They're thinking, no, they need to get called for the handball. And the guy just turns the corner. Donnarumma's caught sleeping, and it's a bottom left corner in the net. And, like, you can't do that. You can't be this professional team and fall flat like this. It's wild. Man, I, I don't even know what to say about it. Marissa's <laughs> in, in tears. She's heartbroken about it. But, hey, man, it's... It, it's soccer, and at the end of the day, man, the world's catching up to the world's elite, and you know, Northern Macedonia, Canada, we we got the players now, man, and it's it's getting tighter. So gotta love to see that. I love competition. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to talking about it when I guess they start in Qatar. Still crazy that that's actually gonna happen, but we'll talk about this come November. So, is it time to get into basketball? Are we gonna talk about March Madness? the insanity that is happening i'm pretty sure sweet 16 games are happening today as we speak we got some things going on but matt i have to start with the upset of all upsets to start this team tournament st peter's this school took kentucky down in the round of 64 they're gonna face purdue tonight matt the tallest guy on this this team is six foot seven now to you and me six foot seven is tall Very but when tall. purdue has a, when purdue has a seven foot four center like this is the ultimate David versus Goliath setup. Like, I don't know if St. Peter's can do it, but man, wouldn't it be great to see another Cinderella story run continue to the Elite Eight? Dude, I love the Cinderella stories. I mean, that's why people tune in for March Madness. That's why you watch it. But at the end of the day, I think it ends tonight, man. Purdue's got a great squad. That seven foot four guy is probably going to feast tonight, man. In the low post, blocks, rebounds. I mean, 
do are they going to have anyone to stop him? <laughs> that, that's the question, right? And if you if you flip the book and talk about Chet Holmgren and the fact that you know Arkansas upset Gonzaga and the Zags were this close, you know this was probably their best chance to go all the way to win it all. And this guy was scoreless in the first half. We we're talking about foul trouble. The refs really taking it away, but. At the end of the day, it's a it's a team atmosphere. It's about coming together as a squad and fighting through. And that's why, Matt, the conversation has to switch from whether Chet Holmgren can do it to now we're talking about this Duke squad. Can Coach get can Coach K and his final dance go all the way? They've had two comeback victories. Crazy. Dude, I'd love to see Coach K win, but I just want to take it back to the Zags for a second and Chet Holmgren. That man was absolutely robbed last night. I mean, the foul that got him out of the game, what more do you want him to do? He went straight up. The guy went into him. Like, the foul calls on him were just so brutal. But I, I won't get into it. You know, I don't like refs in any sport. So, <laughs> Coach K, man, let's see it. I would love to see him in his final coaching appearance in the tournament win the whole thing, kind of cement his legacy as the greatest college coach, coach of all time. It's going to be wild. It's crazy to think how many players have – been under his tutelage, been through his system, and yeah, if the Blue Devils could make it all the way, it'd be pretty redeeming considering Zion was supposed to do it just a little while ago and they fell flat, but Matt, on the other side of things, you've got UCLA and North Carolina, two picks in my bracket that are still alive, so I'm pretty pumped about that, two of the most winningest organizations facing off, and then we've got Villanova versus Houston in the Elite Eight, it's exciting because next week we're able to come back and we'll be talking about the final four we'll get to talk about the actual championships but for now matt i think we have to go into the nba and talk about the fact that it's a little broken right now we've seen one of the weirdest seasons ever because at the beginning of the year there were these new rules that were supposed to stomp down you know foul chances and it really slowed down the game i mean i'm pretty sure it was november before Steph Curry dropped that absolutely amazing 50-plus performance. And then we saw some games over and over and over. But what we've seen in the last two weeks has been nothing short of insane. There were four 50-plus point games last week. Four 50-plus games the week before. And we have seen nine in the last 18 days. Matt, what is going on? It. I don't know, man. It's just been insane. Like These guys can score at will. Um, I think you were mentioning it before, you know, the only difference between Kevin Durant dropping 40 points and 27 points is just the amount of shots that he takes. These guys are so efficient. These guys are such good scorers, but it's all about winning at the end of the day for them. So sometimes they do take a little bit of a backseat in order to make the winning play because these guys just like LeBron at 36 dropping 50 point games in a two week span leading the league in scoring at 30 plus points a game I, it's just insane how dominant they are and it's not just LeBron and KD and Steph the old guard man Jaw, Luka, Devin Booker like all these guys are just so wild right now I think we're living in a golden age of basketball I was telling Matt about my favorite stat that I found you have to go back a hundred individual games to find a single point performance under 40 games and you also have to realize that there are so many individual players in that list and the range at which we're getting to see you know Sadiq Bey of all people dropping 52 points right but it's this it, it, if I can take it back it is about the fact of just taking more shots you look at Kobe in 2007 right 10 50 plus point games more than nine or i'm pretty sure 11 of the last 20 seasons of total 50 point plus games from one guy how many shots was he taking he took f almost 50 shots to get to 80 points he took 50 shots to get to 60 points in his last game all it takes is the willingness to take the shots but as we've seen in the past mj didn't win rings until he learned to defer to his teammates lebron the ultimate goat in matt's eyes is the ultimate could be triple-double monster a la Russ, but instead, he wins rings. He knows how to do exactly what his team needs. That's the beauty of it. Look, man, if LeBron wanted to average 40, 10, and 10, he could. It's just he wants to make the winning play. He wants to be the best basketball player that he possibly can be, and for him, that doesn't mean stat stuffing. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. These guys are, are just so talented, have humongous potential, 
And that's why, like, the, the GOAT debate is so flawed because you're comparing eras. And at the end of the day, if you're going to tell me that there were better basketball players in the 80s and 90s than the today, I think you're watching some, some pretty bad video, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's also a difference between understanding the game of basketball and being a fan of watching it because, you know... Everyone ignores defense, but defense wins championships, right? Everyone's so scared of Boston right now because they are the number one defense in the league. They are shutting down teams left and right, and they have transcendent stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who can put those buckets in. So at the end of the day, you have to realize that it's more than just putting up these 50-point performances. But it's pretty insane that an article that I read a couple years ago of could Steph Curry score 50 points in a season on average is kind of viable, not likely, but viable if that's what these players wanted. But for a lot of people, it's about that team. It's about that championship. It's about going all that way. And that is the best basketball to watch, not just these 60-point bombs, which are amazing. Don't get me wrong. You know, they're absolutely fantastic, but everybody wants to see team basketball, right? Everybody, the it's a beautiful game when you pass the ball the way that, you know, the San Antonio Spurs used to pass the ball with Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, and all those boys, you know? It, when the, they're sharing the rock, that's when it becomes the most beautiful game over soccer, in my opinion, because it is just a, a sight to behold. There's something about just like the, the the smallness of the court, the up close and personal battles that happen in basketball. You know, there's no pads, there's nothing. These guys are just going mano mano. And even you know, I was talking to Austin the other day about the WNBA Finals, about like how fantastic that basketball is. Yes, we have to take all the way to the last game, the last series in the WNBA to be super, super intrigued, in my opinion, of what's going on. But at the end of the day, seeing the best basketball played at the top level is beautiful. And we are blessed right now with some of the players that not only we still get to watch in LeBron, in, in, in Steph, in KD, but to have Giannis, to have Jokic, to have Jaw, to have Zion, to have all Embiid. of these young kids. Exactly, like... It is a beautiful renaissance of basketball right now. It's a shame that, you know, stars like Dame are going to be sitting out. Zion might not be playing. You know, Morant's injured. I don't even really want to talk about injuries this week, Matt. I mostly just want to talk about teams. But there is an injury that we do have to talk about. One of the most ridiculous things that Matt and I have ever seen in last year's NBA playoffs, Giannis looked like he broke his leg. In our honest, humble opinion, that leg bent back in one of the craziest ways I think we've ever seen. And apparently, he tore something in there. And doctors were like, bro, you shouldn't be playing. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm going out there. Drops that 50-piece, doesn't change his game. But, like, dude, how insane do you have to be to have professional medical doctors tell you, bro, this could end your career, this could be threatening for you, and you go out and win it all? Matt, it is what I absolutely love to see. The fact that he he said that he tore the ligament that protects his ACL and MCL and was willing to go out there and win this championship on one leg, basically. And if one wrong step, one, you know, errant foot, and he was gone and he could have lost his career, I just think that shows what a true competitor and a true legend this guy is. I mean, everyone always talks about that competitive spirit that made him who he is, right? But that just, it's amazing, man. He's a living, walking legend. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. I think to many people he is. And that's just, it's just proof, man, that if you want to go out and do it, you can go out and do it. So I got to love it. it. It's stories like this that just reconfirm my feelings about the Bucks because I'm I'm still so confident in this team. I believe that like Matt, are are we potentially looking at Suns Bucks again? Because with Phoenix, you know, locking it up at the top of the West with kind of the chaos of injuries and certain teams falling and rising and the fresh new faces that might be untested, the West looks like it might be easy to run through for the Suns. And on the East side of things with the faltering that we've seen, right? Like the Bucks might also do it. Like, are we set to see the two best teams face it off somehow? I actually believe that Phoenix and, and Milwaukee is probably the most likely scenario at this point. Um, the one team in the East that scares me is probably Boston if I'm the Bucks, and there are probably no teams out in the Western Conference that scare me if I'm if I'm Phoenix. There's, 
unless LeBron and AD can get healthy and Westbrook figures out his role, which obviously they can't, we've seen that all season, there's nobody. Even if Kawhi and PG both came back for the playoffs, I don't believe in the Clippers. So, and at the end of the day, Golden State losing Steph Curry, that's a huge piece, man. And Phoenix is probably going to run through it. I don't think there's a better big three in the Western Conference. CP3, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. You'd be hard-pressed to convince me that there's a better one. Absolutely. And to keep it in the West and talk about the different teams, you know, uh, when I thought that Golden State might be able to come back and break through, it was because I believed that that three-headed monster of, of Steph, Clay, and Dre would get time to play together. They played a game and a, and, and a quarter, right? And they're not going to play together until the playoffs, if even then. We don't know if Steph will be back for the first round. You look at the way the Nuggets have been falling down the table, and there's reports that Jamal's not coming back, right? Yes, the Mavericks are doing cool things, and we'll, we'll talk about the Mavericks in a little bit, but I just I don't see it, man. It's kind of insane that the team that everyone looked at last year as should be bounced by LeBron and co. are now the best team in the NBA. Well, man, the Lakers had control of that series until that 80 injury, um, and then they went on to, to get to all the way to the NBA Finals, and I think that kind of shocked some people. But this year, there's there's been no shock, man. They've been the hunted and yet have been able to stand up to every single test. Everybody's best punch, and they have the best record in the NBA by quite a bit. Um, yes, I think the Western Conference, um, you know, five, four through, you know, 15, 16 is probably worse than the Eastern Conference is like eight through 16. <laughs> but hey, man, they've done it. They're here. That I think they're going to make that final push. And I'll be interested to see who could stop him. Uh, absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Chicago because I thought that was coming over my mind that, that really came in. We talk about the importance of a team being able to compete against the best level. Phoenix is like 44-6 and six or something if they're like leading in the third quarter, and they've pretty much dominated on the West Coast. Whenever they've played any of the top West Coast teams, they've really destroyed them. But this Chicago team is the team that really interests me because people didn't have a lot of faith in them. I had a lot of faith in them. And I came across a stat the other day that really made me lose faith in this Chicago team. Because, Matt, Chicago is 0-6, I believe, against the top three teams in the East. Against Milwaukee, against Boston, and against Miami. They haven't been able to beat the best of the best of who they are going to have to beat in the playoffs. And that right there reconfirmed to me that maybe they just don't have it and that's unfortunate for Chicago fans who came out swinging this season dude they came out absolutely on fire they were the number one team in the NBA for a really or in the Eastern Conference for a really long time but I think what else kind of tipped it off that they weren't going to be this powerhouse this juggernaut in the playoffs is their net rating their net rating has never been that great right now they're currently sitting at a point four. so why do they have this amazing record and yet are struggling to beat teams on a night-to-night basis. Was it luck? Was it, you know, Aaron Bounces? Was it DeMar DeRozan just playing at that MVP level that he did for about 40, 50 games this season? Um, you know, it's hard to tell. But yeah, man, they've definitely gotten passed by a few teams. And I think at the end of the day, Milwaukee's probably going to end up the number one seed in this, in this conference. Uh, Milwaukee's getting it going. Miami had that kind of blow up the other night with Spolstra having to be separated from Butler. Kyle Lowry saying, you know, there's a lot of dogs on this team. We all just want to win and stuff, which is great. But I don't think they're built for the playoffs, man. I think they're built for the regular season. Again, it's it's Milwaukee to me coming out of the East, and then it's it's Boston who's the scariest kind of sleeper. I don't even I don't fear Philadelphia because I don't fear James Harden in the playoffs personally. And. And, like, if you haven't seen, like, the Heat voiceovers of, like, people doing the lip, leading, the lip reading, you should. It's crazy what those guys were saying back to each other. Literally, at one point, Spolster is like, Jimmy, what, you want me to fight you? Like, literally, it got heated, you know? And things are going to happen, but Miami, they're still, like, I-, I don't know, right? Like, they have to prove it to me in the playoffs. I have to see if Bam's going to disappear again with his mid-range. But the Bucks, man, you talk about the Bucks, and I love the confidence I've seen. I came across some stats about Drew Holiday, and, dude, he has taken over as the number two. He, When you take Giannis and Chris off the court, 
the team gets better if Drew is running the offense. He gets like an average of three more assists. Their offensive rating goes up. They've always had like one of the best differentials. Regardless, this big three gained way too much confidence in the last playoffs. And Matt, if they can keep that going, if they can roll over these teams that are faltering in the East, this Bucks team under Giannis is terrifying and could keep being terrifying for years. It's kind of insane. It's it's wild, man. Uh, the confidence they got. We've talked about it all season. Um, they got a great net rating. They're eight and two in their last ten. They're they're coming on real strong towards the end of the season. You know, they were middling for most of the year in the in the Eastern Conference. But you and I both weren't fooled by that. We knew that they were a sleeping giant. Um, again, though, those Boston Celtics had a plus six point six net rating. That's the second best mark in the entire league. They're scary. They're a scary, scary team. Like, honestly, if we were able to jump over Cleveland for that sixth seed, I would not want to go into the fifth seed. I would not want to play Boston in the first round. Like, that is not where I want to end up. I want to play Philadelphia. I want to play Miami. I want to play Chicago. Please don't give us Boston. When you talk about ramping up in time for the playoffs, finding your best form, the Celtics at the beginning of the season were a dumpster fire at certain points in times. They were butting heads. They were problematic. You know, Ime Adoku did not have control of that locker room. But was it all like an evil secret plan? Was it all some crazy path to lead them here where they've locked in, where they've come together, and they are the number one defense in the league by far? Man, they needed that. They, they've been able to figure it out. They've... Derek White coming in has kind of set everybody into their own little roles and everybody knows what they're doing and there's not a there's not a weak link on the floor defensively. It kind of reminds me of our championship squad, man. Like Kawhi, Siakam, Van Vliet, Lowry, Abaka, Gasol. We didn't have a weak link defensively in that top yeah. six. And so Boston is the same. They can all play defense. They have a closer in Jason Tatum who is elite, elite. They're a very, very scary team. I'll be very interested to see what what they do in the playoffs. Man, because the Eastern Conference is the only one where it's not really set. Like, I don't really see New Orleans or the Lakers making the playoffs unless LeBron is going to drop some 50-point bombs in the play-in tournament. But, I mean, from the 10th seed, he's going to have to do it for four games which i don't think is possible for him not at this point is is there any other teams non-play-in that you want to break down like do you want to get into dallas or dallas a little bit do you want to talk about utah i mean i don't really want to talk about utah to be honest man i think i think the timberwolves are are a team that's really starting to figure it out at the moment they're seven and three in their last game yeah they were they had a two-game losing streak but Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell are starting to figure out how to really play together. Pat Beverly is, is nasty on defense. Um, could they be a sleeper in the West? Man, I've been trying to watch more, like, just games of teams I don't normally watch. You know, trying to find the little things that I'm not noticing or paying attention to. And, like, we knew the T-Wolves were, like, you know, slowly crawling their way up, you know, up this table throughout the year. But all of a sudden, here they are just a game or two back of the Nuggets now, in a good place, healthy, with a great mentality, winning some important games against some good teams. Matt, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. I always was big on Ant-Man. We love Cat. Cat is a beauty. We weren't sure about D'Angelo, though, but he's really figured it out. I was joking with Matt before we were recording today that he's just kind of sitting back in his chair, looking at the situation around him and thinking, Man, if I play my role right and I do my job, we could make our way to a championship because they're young and they have fire under them as an organization and a team. Absolutely. And and that's what it's all about, right, man? It's it's about getting that experience. So they're going to get into the playoffs this year. They're going to get some experience. Um, and that's, that's what it's about. If they can get to the second round even – um, I think that'll be a huge success for this franchise considering where they've been for the last decade. So, man, it's it's a wild time in the NBA. There are some really great teams all over the place and, and some sleeper teams that are young and up and coming. Um, I think we should talk about that Rookie of the Year race, though, man. Because in any other year, Cade, 
Mobley and Scotty would all be runaway winners. But what they're doing right now is just absolutely insane. It's a beautiful, beautiful situation to be in for all three of these franchises. I made a comment to Matt that he didn't initially deny that these three could be the type of draft that we see a la a LeBron draft in terms of just the talent at the top end, the craziness of the number of players that could be so good. When you think about not just those three, but, you know, of what we're seeing from Giddy, or even from Suggs, you know, when you go down this line, from the Wagner kid that's also doing great, like, it is a fantastic draft, yeah. But at the top of it, you know, you have these, this, this pinnacle of three completely different players, but all doing their own thing. And... Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley. That's what everyone's saying, right? Because obviously Cleveland has been ahead of us. Cleveland has been doing things. And he's a center who's coming in and being an insane rookie. But Scotty Barnes is so underrated. And we've now, you know, last week we were tied with them. This week we're still tied with them. There's a battle going on between these two rookies. I was super sad to miss that game yesterday against the Cavs. But Matt, it's Scotty Barnes, man. He's underrated. I want to see it for him. I want the narrative to happen. It's it's crazy because most people are going to think Evan Mobley right away because he's been, you know, start to finish um, one of the top rookies in the NBA. There's never been really a dip in his production. And even though Scotty started out really hot, he did have a little bit of a dip when Siakam came back. He was trying to find his place. And I think this is where the argument kind of breaks down for me a little bit because some people argue, well, Scotty doesn't deserve it because he's on a, a team with an all-NBA player like Siakam. He's got an all-star guard like Fred Van Vliet. He's got the help of an all-NBA defender in OG Ananobi. Like, there's got Nick Nurse, who's one of the best coaches in the league. And look at Cleveland. Cleveland's been so bad for so long. They get Evan Mobley, and all of a sudden they're, you know, a playoff team. Uh, excuse me, guys. I, I like that argument. It's a good argument. But Scotty Barnes has had to figure out how to fit himself into this lineup. And if you think about the position he plays forward, he's got Siakam and OG ahead of him on the depth chart in terms of shooting pecking order and in terms of ball handling. And yet he's still been able to be this productive. He has, you know, some of the, I think he's top five in points, rebounds, and assists. He's got the number one per in the NBA for a rookie. I think he's just out of this world being able to fit himself into this winning basketball. And nobody's really talking about the fact that, like, you know, Evan Mobley also has two all-star players on his roster in Darius Garland and Jared Allen. So are we really going to compare that and say that, you know, Evan Mobley is the single factor that made them this playoff team? Probably not, man. I think he and Scotty both, if they were on bad rosters – they could average like 27 and 7 easily. Like they're great, great players. And it's kind of what Cade's doing and, and why he's probably not going to win. I, I was just going to make that comment. Like, Those sound like Cade Cunningham numbers right there. But that's that's the big argument because I want to roll over Cade to get him out of the way so I can go back to talk about Scotty a little bit. Because Cade is putting up those numbers. The campaign that he's put on recently is insane. But the way he affects winning on that team is not the same as what Scotty and Evan have done. But you talk about how, like, Scotty has to come in and figure out his role, and Evan kind of didn't have to do that, and Cleveland was so bad. But, like, guys, you brought in Jared Allen. Darius Garland only just broke out this year. Let's not even talk about um, the Lord. other situations. Let's not talk about what Evan Mobley and Jared Allen have done to unlock Kevin Love on this roster, who has had a resurgence in the later end of his career. Like, Laurie Markkinen's good. Sexton's uh, good. Thank you. Like, Laurie Markkinen torched us last night. Nobody thought that you could have three super tall guys and have Kevin Love be figuring it out, right? So I have to I have to try to get Scotty more time in the conversation because even in his off roles, you know, playing point guard, playing center, playing whatever we need, he never is the first option, but he's always there when we need it. He's been so efficient. How many 9 for 12 shooting nights have we seen from Scotty? Like, Dude, how many beautiful. times has he cleaned up the offensive rebound and just dunked it or laid it in? Like, it just being able to find – that's, again, it's being able to find his spot without having a play drawn up for him, without having, you know, him as the point of attack defender. He makes great defensive hustle plays. To me, again, I know I'm biased. 
it's a tough race. If if you say it's not a tough race, you're lying to yourself. Absolutely. But I gotta give the edge to Scotty, man. I really do. I really want him to win it. Um, I think he deserves it. Again, not that winning rookie of the year guarantees that you're gonna be an all star player. Look at Giannis. Giannis wasn't even close to rookie of the year, and he's probably the best player in the NBA today. So hey man, we'll see. And you know, to bring it back to my to what I what I was talking about at the you know, the top of the pod there's a certain intelligence that is needed for players to get to that level, to be able to do what they do. That no-look pass to Siakam last night on the fast break, like, the ball touched Scotty's hands, and he instantly saw Siakam start sprinting, and he's just, like, doing his move, and then all of a sudden, boom, the ball in his hand, and it's a bucket. Like, the entire defense was caught off guard. The kid is so intelligent. He loves playing basketball. He's pumped to have the opportunity to play in Toronto. And we are absolutely blessed. Like, 2-2 two, two week for Raptors chat at the end of the day. But when you talk about the rookie of the year race, Matt, I'm with you. And we are biased, but he's ignored, man. There's not enough Scotty time on the news. Absolutely. Because he, he plays in Toronto, man. They don't even talk about us when it comes to the Eastern Conference sleepers. You know, they're talking about teams like Cleveland. They're talking about teams like the Brooklyn Nets or the Atlanta Hawks. Guys, you, you watch Raptors basketball? Like, U.S. media, you watch us? Because we have been on a tear lately. Our guy, Pascal Siakam, I'm also going to push for him to get an all-NBA vote. You know, it's it's unfortunate that he started the year with that injury because if he hadn't, he would have been on an all-star team, which would have given him a leg up to get to the all-NBA team. Because when most guys think about the all-NBA team, they start with who was on the all-star team. But... I don't think that should be the case right now. He's been playing some of the best basketball of his career. We talked about it like a month and a half ago about how he's just fitting into the offense. He is not overplaying himself. He's not overplaying as the lead player on our team. He's just being the number one player on our team. He's facilitating. He's rebounding. He's scoring. He's spot up shooting. I mean, the guy was five for five from three at one point last night. I was watching this game thinking to myself, man, Pascal Siak has been pretty quiet tonight. They show stats 25, five and four, and he's five of five from deep. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, he's, he's not been very quiet. <laughs> Matt, you, you talk about how like, it's unfortunate that he's not gonna make an all-NBA team, potentially, and that the, the current conversation around him is that. But I'm trying to think about it on the other end, because, like, we talked about how he went through some struggles, and, like, he still kept forcing some things, and I think about how that injury made him spend some time away from the sport, spend some time thinking, and not in the way, you know, when the pandemic happened, when he wasn't on such a basketball and was just, like, so out of his head, but to really take a deep dive into what can create a winning culture and what he can do considering that it, it is Fred's team, and we know that it's Fred's team, but Pascal is the guy. And for him to come in and do exactly what we wanted, for him to come in and, and find his place in and know that when it's rolling, when it can happen, you know, a year and a half ago, you would have never said that he'd be able to have a stealth game like that. No way no. would you ever say he'd be an all-NBA type talent, right? But he's, personally, he's, no. Like, the fact that he's, what, 27, 28 now, he's finding his way to enhance his prime because he had a little early breakout prime with Kawhi. I mean, I'm so happy here as a, as a Siakam fan. He's fixed his mental, man, and I think that's the biggest thing. He's made a shift in his mindset, uh, not allowing the outside noise to get to him, which is just amazing. And we were talking about it on Monday, man. We were talking about the fact that, you know, if Scotty Barnes plays like Siakam is playing we would take that every single day of the week from Scotty. And yet when Siakam's doing it, everyone's kind of overlooking this man. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, he hit some dagger threes last night too, some pull-ups, um, which makes me confident for our playoff run, man. Cause I think about this roster. I think about Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, and Siakam. We got Cambridge and Precious. Precious has been playing out of his mind lately. Like, we've got seven. Thaddeus Young's been good. Um, Freaking Brooks has been good. I, I forget his first name at the moment. Amari. Amari. Yeah, Amari. Oh, Amari. <laughs> he had these games where he can't hit a three, and last night was one of them. At the, at the first half, he couldn't hit a three, but then he has a hustle play where he gets a block. Nick Nurse is like, that keeps you in the game, and then he hit two daggers. It's... 
it's a beautiful team game that we play. We play a hustle game. We play a, a, a there for each other game. And it's, I'm just so excited to see it, man. When we play our best basketball, we move the ball the same way that the Memphis Grizzlies do. When you really break it down and think about the capabilities of every player on the court and what they can do and how their offensive and defensive roles can change depending on the type of game that they're happening. And, like, that game against the Lakers, man, Scotty, 31 points, 17 rebounds, just, like, going up against LeBron, no fear. And if it wasn't for Westbrook somehow finally cashing in a three-pointer to take him to te- to overtime, like, we would have won that game. After he hit the side of the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was our worst loss of the week, man. That one could come back to haunt us and put us in the play-in tournament, which I'm fearful of because I don't want to play Brooklyn, though – if they don't get Ben Simmons back, man, like teams are gonna drop like 140 points on them. Like I know the mass, the the mandates have been lifted, so you know Kyrie can play, but they've actually got a losing record with Kyrie on the court. It's kind of crazy to think, right? And, and like they slapped Philadelphia the other time, right? And like we also slapped Philadelphia, not slapped, but like that game against Philadelphia this week was insane. I was so glad to have caught it. Best. Raptors game of the season. The fact that it was almost 30 to 15 at one point, and we came back and won that game. They dropped 37 points in the first quarter, and they ended up with 88. What? Yeah. Our boys locked in. We didn't have OG and Anobi, and I don't think we had Fred in that game either. And we put it to them, man. Precious Achua, man. I got to give it to him. I was going to say, 21 points from Precious. Um, 12 points from Boucher, 14 minutes from Armari, like, with, with six points on his own. like And some daggers. It's, it's kind of crazy that our rotational bench pieces are starting to embrace that 3 and D mentality and are actually knocking them down. Still sad over here that my boy Utah only gets to come in in garbage minutes. But, hey, if he can Jeremy Lin it for our team, I'll take it. <laughs> Man, it's okay. He had his time. Our roster is just... It's just too good for him now, man. He he got those minutes last year in the in the Tampa Bay sadness. But man, at the end of the day, if we only have to do that one year of tanking to get back to where we used to be, hey, that was totally totally worth it. And it wasn't even in Toronto. We didn't even have to watch it. Exactly, they weren't the Toronto Raptors. They were the Tampa Bay Raptors. But Matt, we got nine games left in the season, and you know what's crazy? If we get one more win. We secure an above 500 record on the season. People thought we were getting 34 wins. Get out of here. We might not even get 34 losses if we can somehow go on an insane end to this season. Matt, nine games left. Only three this week to think about. Pacers, Celtics, T-Wolves. Very interesting week coming ahead. The Pacers have been doing an absolutely amazing tank job. Um, Buddy Heald... uh, literally dribbled the ball off of his foot and then they didn't get a defense it was this team is tanking so like tough for us because we don't usually win against teams that are tanking Tanking somehow because (laughs) toronto and then boston tough tough game well i mean the boston game and the t-bowl games are going to be really really interesting and competitive if we can get the win against the celtics man that'll be a huge confidence boost for this team i think it's it's something that they need going into the playoffs um, I was looking at our schedule, reigning schedule versus you know Cleveland and Chicago, and I would say that there are probably like four gimme wins in quotations out here that we should have, and then the rest are toss ups. Whereas the pace, whereas the Chicago Bulls and the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers only have three and two respectively. So I don't know, man. I think we have a chance to get into that sixth seed, that fifth seed. You know, I called it earlier. I don't want to jinx the boys again, but. Hey, it's gonna be a tough week. If we can go two and one, I'll be I'll be ecstatic. I mean, OG came back last night. You know, we're excited to see him. Fifteen games. I can't believe he missed that many games, but we're figuring still wearing the finger cast too. And he missed his first two threes, but then hit the next three. He had a chase down block. He still looks like that absolute monster of defender that we know he is. And the offensive game will come. I think. He, what did he end up with? Like double digit points last night? 15, 16? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was around there. But it's all about getting healthy, getting it together, and chugging along towards that playoffs. Because at this point, Matt, we're pretty much confirmed in the play-in. We're pretty much going to see some postseason basketball. And for Scotty, 
for Gary, for this young team trying to be led by Fred, I think regardless of where we end up, we'll be good. But I want that jump. I want to get straight to the series because having a chance at seven games, even if it's just four, is so good for these kids. It's so important for our development. And again, I can't believe that we have a chance to, to be in that sixth seed uh, or even the fifth seed, man. At the beginning of the year, we thought, you know, 45 wins was probably going to be about where we're at and that's what we're looking at at this point man if we can end up uh with 45 wins 37 losses it's not going to be a bad season that's for sure feels good to not be a delusional raptors fan feels good to like kind of know what's going on with the team and feel like hey maybe we know what we're talking about because sometimes we can't be we won't won't lie sometimes we overvalue our guys sometimes we overhype we are fans at the end of the day but hey man i can't believe we nailed that on the head i feel good about it i feel real good about it you want to you know use those powers for good and and get some mystic predictions going out here i was i was gonna say speaking of either you know hitting it on the head or falling absolutely flat let's do some takes right here so i am gonna jump off the deep end this week because we talked about the t-wolves we talked about this this organization and this roster somewhere together. And with the rumors of Jamal Murray not potentially coming back, who knows what's happening with Michael Porter Jr. Being only two games back, I want to see it, man. T-Wolves jumping over the Nuggets, taking the sixth seed in the same way that the reps are going to do it. Absolutely, man. Um, I I honestly believe you. I think, you know, the T-Wolves have been coming on strong. The Nuggets are, are trying to do everything on the back of Jokic, which is just kind of wearing him out at this point in the season. So I think that's a good prediction, man. I'm going to jump to the NFL with mine. Um, We talked about him earlier. Uh, Tyreek Hill, man, he was amazing, amazing with the Chiefs. I don't think he breaks 1,000 yards receiving this year with Tua. I think he'll probably have a 1,000-yard total, you know, rushing, returning, receiving, but doesn't break a 1,000 yards receiving this year. If he ends up with 10 touchdowns, count me as somebody who's going to be absolutely shocked. I mean, it, it's hard to get up to 1,000 total receiving if you're not going to be getting those nice 40, 50, even 60 bombs that probably aren't coming out of Tua's hands this year. Unfortunately not for him. Absolutely. Anyways. Well, anything else? No, man. You're good to wrap, wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe. Give us that thumbs up. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.